Hey, welcome to Advent Christian Voices with the Renewed Church Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Reynolds, and I'm joined by everyone's favorite communications director and church health guy. I'm not quite sure what his title is. The illustrious Grandmaster Justin Nash. What's up, Justin? Uh, I'm more and more afraid I can't live up to the hype. You're like like a hype man at a rap concert. Like Flavor Flav. Yo, so for, I hope there are people listening who know who Flavor Flav is. Is do you know who yeah. Flavor Flav? Okay, of course I do. Yeah, yeah, he is. So this is how I know I'm getting old. Now I'm only thirty, right? But this is how I'm starting to feel old. I made a reference uh, to Flavor Flav uh, in one of my youth group lessons or something like that, and this was several months ago. And not only did the kids not know who it was, but my volunteer leaders didn't know who Flavor Flav was. Mm. I, 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 I didn't even know. I didn't even know what to do, man. Like, how do you? Anyway. Early to mid nineties rap, maybe it was late eighties too, right? Yeah, public like, enemy. Public enemy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh man. Anyway, um, I did forget our last portion of our introduction. We're seeking to lead the discussion while providing practical advice on church health among Advent Christian churches, not necessarily leading the discussion on early nineties rap. Yeah, yeah, that's probably good because <laughs> I don't know too much about it. We know public enemy, and that's about Flavor it. Flav. Yeah, that's all I know. Um, yeah, <laughs> so today's topic of the podcast is uh, mission in the local church. Uh, Justin, we're going to look at John chapter 20, verse 21, uh, which reads, As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. This is Jesus talking, and this is the concept, uh, for those who um, aren't familiar with the Missio Dei, the mission of God, which um, says that that God is a sending God, that uh, the Father has sent the Son, that the Father and Son have sent the Holy Spirit to indwell his people and empower them to join God on mission. That's central to what we do, of course, is, is glorifying God. Like that's the ultimate purpose of what we do. Um, but it's also central to our purpose of God saving us is to be on mission, to serve him on mission. Um, and, and so as a church, we are sent. What do you think that means, Justin, um, to be sent as a church? Well, I think it, it goes back. I always, the scripture always ties into the great commission for me. Cause I think it's John's version of the great commission of Matthew 20, Matthew 28. And I think the idea is, is the idea of being sent is you have to move. You you go somewhere and we're going somewhere with a message. We're going somewhere with the good news of the gospel and the gospel is good news and news must be proclaimed. Mm-hmm. Um, so, in, but we're not really doing that. We rather what we often do in our churches is we uh, create our own little kind of Christian ghettos or Christian fortresses where we stayed walled up with one another and we share with each other and love each other. And those things are good, but we so rarely actually go out into our communities. We're not, we, we're sent. Uh, we're not that, you know, sin means don't stay. That's mm-hmm. what, what I tell people. So. Well, it's one of those things that I think can just get so lost in the everyday Christian's life, like unintentionally, no one, No one has ever planned in the last hundred years to go, you know what, we're going to build a structure that causes us to stay together and not really reach the outside world. So I I was recently reading uh, an article, actually, I think it was a transcript of a Francis Chan 
uh, sermon. And he was talking about how if we just read the Bible, like had no tradition whatsoever, and were simply reading the Bible, had no background in Christianity, uh, we would not look at the church as primarily a gathering space. Um, a gathering would be part of what we do as the church, but essentially, if we read the New Testament, um, we would look at the faith and see it primarily as being sent as, okay, I believe all of this to be true. I believe that Jesus uh, lived and died, lived a sinless life, that he uh, rose from the dead, that he saved me based on uh, the faith that he has given me, not by any works of my own. And now this is such a freeing and liberating um, uh, feeling that I have that I've been liberating from the sin that once bound me that I now need to go and share this with everyone that I have. Like I will give up everything that I have, all my material possessions, all my friendships, all my family um, relationships, all of that will come secondary to Christ in my relationship to him. So what we often, I think miss is that we look at the church primarily as a gathering place rather than the church as a body of believers who are supposed to be on mission. And that mission being to glorify God by sharing Christ with others, by serving their community, by pointing those all around them to the saving grace and life found in Jesus Christ. I think the idea you're getting at is that we gather to scatter. Mm. We Did you steal to- that from somewhere? I did actually, yes. Oh yes. man, I, I was gonna say, it. yeah, no, I didn't think that good. up. That's uh, yeah, but we we gather to scatter. You know, we we come together for for corporate worship, for mutual edification and accountability, those sorts of things, to encourage one another to go out and share the gospel, to serve our communities, to be salt and light in the world. But it's interesting if you look statistically, just something simple. Forget even sharing the gospel, just even inviting people to church, that only 21% of active churchgoers invite anyone, have invited anyone to church over the course of a year. Mm-hmm. So, so, and then only 2% of church members have ever invited an unchurched person to church. Mm-hmm. So the people we're even inviting a lot of times are already church people. Mm-hmm. And, but statistically, and this is from a LifeWay research, some LifeWay research, that 80% of first-time visitors come to a church because they were personally invited. Mm -hmm. And that 96% of unchurched people are at least somewhat likely to attend church if they're invited. So oftentimes we think, oh, well, they're going to reject us or they're going to be mean or whatever. The reality is uh, there are a lot of folks, a lot of unchurched folks would be willing to come if we were just willing to ask. Mm But we're but we're not but it, and this is not even kind of the sending part of going and proclaiming the gospel. It's but we're so kind of turned so inwardly so much that we are not even inviting people to church in a lot of cases. Well, there is, I think, unintentionally a view of us versus them that when we gather, we are the saints gathered, and that you know here we are in our in our huddle. And we talk about them. We talk about the lost and and look out. But we forget sometimes that the them we've been sent to, the them, and not just in a in a philosophical sense or a theological sense, but quite literally, 
um, we recreate, we work in, we live in neighborhoods where people are lost. So uh, as an example, I live in a neighborhood, a very young and up and coming neighborhood in, in a um, middle-class town. And God has me there for a purpose. I don't, uh, you know, there are a number of people on my street that do go to a church. Um, they are that I believe are Christian, but they're the majority are not. Um, where I, now I work in a church, so that's kind of you know, I hope the people I work with are saved. Um, the but where I recreate, you know, where I go, um, you know, I'm I go to hockey games. I take my kids to uh, my son plays soccer. I coach his basketball team. Um, they go to a certain school. So it's looking at the places that God has placed me and looking at the interest that he's given my family. My kids love sports. So therefore I try to participate there. Now, why do I try and participate there? One, it's to be a blessing to the community. They always need coaches. They always need volunteers in the school. Um, someone is always needing help in my neighborhood. So why would I not want to be freed up in order to participate in in serving my community. Um, we look at Christ who uh, went out and certainly served his community, was preaching the gospel um, as he was serving. And I would suggest the gospel came first in everything that he did. Um, but he built up a lot of credibility with a lot of the miracles that he was working with, meeting people's physical needs. But it shows, I think, people that we're not just here um, like we care about our community. We're not, you know, a lot, I think a lot of people, a lot of Christians will often in the, in their belief that it's an us versus them mentality, reject the community, bemoan the community. Oh, I can't believe how awful the community is. You know, how, how wayward they've become and, and they've rejected Christ and this and that. Um, yeah, some of that's true, but why not? Uh, be a part of the community so that you can share the gospel instead of retreating into our homes and into our holy huddles. Okay, so what is that in practical terms? What would that mean for, let's say, a church softball league? Mm -hmm. Or we have, so I don't know if you have it up north, but we have this thing around here called Upward Sports. I don't know. I, I hate Upward. Okay, well, why? Why do you hate it? Because because uh, I think I think it's getting at the. I'm guessing the core of it is is by, because of what you just said. Yeah. So I well, one they also don't really anyway. There there are other reasons why. Um, you know the competitive spirit in me. Uh, we don't have upward up where I am at least that I know of. Uh, but when I lived in Georgia, I knew about it. Uh, the problem with upward or the problem with having a church softball league where you have five, six, seven different churches, part of a softball league or a basketball league, whatever, is that, okay, you have a bunch of Christians getting together to play basketball or softball. Terrific. Why not have those Christians go into an adult rec league in the community and play softball? And, and it even might make sense to say, okay, we might have a church softball team that plays in this league that isn't made up of all, all Christians. That's fine. But you can build camaraderie with those in which you're playing against and playing with because it's not about having all of this, what we like to call fellowship, um, which I think we often, and you, uh, I won't get into that argument about what true biblical fellowship looks like, but we look at all these opportunities to, to come together as Christians and say, all right, let's, let's recreate together. And that in a sense, isn't a bad thing, but 
why aren't we trying to recreate with those who are lost so that we can um, rub shoulder to shoulder with them and get to know our neighbors? Like, have you ever gotten to know your gay neighbor? I'm not referring to you, but I mean, like, um, I was recently reading an article about how we how we interact with people who with with whom have same sex attraction. Um, we don't have to lead with our doctrinal statement, right? Like, wh- why not lead with, hey, can I get to know this person for the sheer purpose of how can I speak the gospel into their life? If I lead with, hey, you, God has called you to a different life, which is to live a heterosexual um, life that, uh, you know, God has made, uh, has made us to, uh, to be married together, man and woman together, not man and man or woman and woman. If we lead with that, we're, they're automatically going to shut down. Right. But if we lead with our love for them, a general love for our neighbor, then we're going to have a much different approach on how we do things. Like, let's look how to be a blessing. So in our softball leagues, why not look to see how we can be a blessing in our local community? Hey, if our community doesn't have an adult softball league, why not start one and invite people who aren't just Christians, right? Yeah, and I think those are things that we have to think of, but it's so easy to fall back into these patterns of we're, again, sort of Christian alternatives to the world rather than being out in a part of the world. And it takes some intentionality, Mm-hmm. And it's often uncomfortable mm-hmm. and painful sometimes. So I think it's, but uh, kind of one of the things to follow up and just don't want to stress. And it's something I always sort of struggle with the balance, figuring it out. But to remember that at the end of the day, we have to proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. That simply being out there and serving is necessary and it's good and it's right. But at the end of the day, we do want to proclaim the gospel because the gospel is not something we live. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's, it's a message to be proclaimed. And our our works, our good works, will give our words credibility, mm-hmm. but our words will give our works meaning. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's just something we want to remember, that it's very important that we that we do work, but that we also use our words. And I just think, like, with the upward sports, okay, <clears throat> Let's get together and play a basketball game where no one keeps score and um and we're gonna pray beforehand or or this and that. Okay, that's a maybe a witness to other Christians. But what if I mean just think about you know, that's why I mean I took my kids out of a Christian school, uh simply because we said, Hey, this why are we sending our kids to a Christian school? We can put them into our public school and be a better witness, like serve that community, get to know the parents in our community that my kids are playing soccer with rather than only seeing them during the soccer season. Now I see them throughout the year. Um, and, you know, I don't want, you know, we are separated from the world in the sense that um, we are sanctified. We are grown to become more like Christ, but Christ still calls us to be in this world, but not of this world. So let's stop trying the Benedict Benedictine option where we're going to completely withdraw and forsake the, the world because God has not forsaken the world. Mm-hmm. The, everything, everything on this earth belongs to God. Everything. Uh, it sounds like, I think that's a catechism question. Everything belongs to him. So, why are we trying to withdraw from the good gifts that God has given us anyway? And how freeing is it to our, to, um, to the church when we say all of your life matters, 
All of it, not just when we gather together as the saints, but you at work. Are you an accountant? Your life matters. You're a banker. Your life matters. You're in business or you're a doctor, a, a, a med student, or you're a teacher. Maybe you work at McDonald's or Walmart. Uh, you're a police officer. All of those places, God has sent you as a missionary into those places for a purpose. And it's not just to collect a paycheck. All of our lives are redeemed, not just what happens on a Sunday morning. Right. So when we think of this, how does that affect the the church, the structure of our churches? Then, how does this mission, this being sent, and instruct that? And how how do we have to adapt? What kind of changes need to be made? Yeah, man. I think I think we have to change our church structure in the sense like a lot of our Evan Christian churches, I was recently listened to a podcast from Mark Dever and he was talking about from the Southern Baptist perspective. And they have a very similar structure that we have, especially in the local church. Um, not, not his church in particular, but many Southern Baptist churches and that you have a lot of these boards and committees. You might have a board of missions and evangelism. You might have a board of trustees and a board of finance. You might have a board of foreign missions. You might have a board of, of local missions, you might have a board, uh, you know, for the rec league, you might have a board for, I don't know, am I boring you with all these boards? Uh, there's a whole number of them that all of us could have. I, I've probably only scratched the surface, but you know, talking to some pastors in our denomination, some of them said, you know, I walked into a church and we needed to, we literally had over 80 board positions, uh, for the church and we had 35 people in the church. Wow. So, so if you are walking into a church, if you're trying to fill 80 board positions, say you, say you only had 35 board positions, you had 35 people. That's going to be a busy congregation. So wh- wh- what does your life look like as the church? Are you simply going to be a church that gathers weekly and then maybe you gather once uh, else throughout the week to for all those boards to come together and, and meet and whatnot? Or should we simplify our structures where as few people as possible are focused on the leading and the direction of the church in the sense of creating that vision and creating that mission based on biblical principles and the contextualization of where they live and, and what God has gifted them with? Or are we going to try to call everybody together away from the world and pull the missionaries away from the mission um, for the purpose of trying to work on the trellis of the church? So looking at the trellis and vine analogy, where a vine grows on a trellis, but all too often, instead of working on the vine, that you can find some of this information from Tony Payne, and I forget the other guy who wrote the book, but um, Trellis and the Vine and then the Vine Project to follow. but. Essentially, uh, the vine's going to grow if we work on the vine and create a healthy atmosphere regardless of the structure, but the structure can often topple over because it's so heavy and really make it difficult for that vine to grow. So let's simplify that structure and let the vine do what the vine does best, and which is which is gospel growth, not only numerically, but also in our hearts. You know, as we grow as believers, simply sanctification being, you know, as we become more like Christ, it's, it's the gospel speaking to greater areas of our lives that we didn't realize before. So simplify structure, right? So what do we look like getting back to the Bible as how was the early church? How was the church instructed by the apostle Paul in particular? Um, I'm not going to go down that road. I see your, I see your eyebrows. (sighs) 
self-control, self-control, self-control. How do we get back to a biblical leadership, right? Now, I'm convinced, uh, and I know others are convinced that that comes down to elders and deacons leading the church, affirmed by the congregation, but leading the church. Um, It is not having 10 or 15 different boards with 10 or 15 different people on these boards um, that, that pulls them out of the mission field. Let's try and keep people and that might look differently in, in every church context. We have over 200 churches in our denomination. That could look 200 different ways. But we have to understand that we want to keep the missionaries in the mission field for as much as possible. So simplifying our stru- church structure, spend time together, yes, for encouragement and edification and equipping um, and, and bring glory to God in corporate worship as an offering to him. But we need to be very, very careful. We need to be very careful of how we're taxing people's time. Yeah, I would affirm that. I think when we keep people so busy at church, it's very difficult for them to be engaged in their life outside of church. And so they can't be with their neighbors. They can't volunteer in community service and those sorts of things because they're giving all their time to church. So I think that's a really good point. We, We really need to remember. Yeah. Well, uh, as we close up, um, I was kind of thinking like, cause before we came on air, we were talking about a practical situation in my own life where I've been trying to be more part of my community. So I shared one, I mean, I, I coach my son's basketball team. I've done it for two years now. It's been great. I've seen, I've not yet seen gospel fruit from it. Um, but I say not yet. So I've used that time to really try and build a lot of bridges. Cause these are kids that my son will be with for the next several years. Uh, Lord willing. But also recently became the chaplain of my local American Legion. You know, I'm a, I'm a veteran. Uh, those places, VFWs and American Legions, especially up here, are hurting for for uh, post 9-11 uh, veterans. Um, so it's been a great opportunity to serve them so far. But also it, it, it's an area where, you know, in everything they speak about God and country, and it's just not sure what that God part means to each one. But it's an opportunity for me to be explicitly gospel centric and be able to sit down and talk with people about the gospel and encourage them uh, in the faith or encourage them um, in Christ. You know, there are certainly some lines that I try to, you know, straddle, but uh, I try and get as close to that line of of sharing the gospel as possible without crossing any lines. Um, Although, oh, well, if I cross the line, who else are they going to find to be the chaplain up here? But, um, it's, it's tremendous. You know, I, there's opportunities there where I could end up doing funerals or, or weddings or things like that and just meeting with people's families. So looking for opportunities where God has wired us or created, you know, instances for us where we can speak into people's lives, we should take advantage of that as, as much as possible. So, yeah, sort of interestingly, statistically speaking, as you know, the United States is the fourth largest mission field in the world. If you look at um, if you look at unconverted people, non Christians, percent of the population, that makes a lot of sense. Number we're actually the fourth largest in the world. New England is probably. I, I remember when I was with the Southern Baptists, they looked at New England as a foreign mission field. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're listening to this and you're interested in coming up to New England, uh, email me at uh, jnash at acgc.us, and uh, and Justin will make sure that gets to me. 
I'm your mail service now. Justin's also my secretary, if you didn't know. That's great. Yeah, I think it just goes back to having a gospel intentionality Mm -hmm. and understanding and and structuring our ministries and our lives around the gospel. If we really believe the gospel is true, then it's going to affect how we do every aspect of our of our of our life and i I think i mean so john you you just read verse 21 but i think as you go on and you see i mean jesus talks about that we're sent in the same way he was sent and Mm so Jesus is our example very much but then as you go on he didn't just say okay okay folks go go preach the gospel i mean he he talks about he's empowered us with the indwelling holy spirit that's he's powerful. this necessary and adequate for our task mm-hmm. and and we alone of all the people in the world have sort of this commission from jesus to proclaim forgiveness in his name nobody else has that and we're and we're empowered to do that and and i think the great tragedy is that um people are going to perish if we don't share the gospel with them mm-hmm. and and that's just the bottom line. Do we really believe that? And and when we don't share our faith, then people are going to perish. But maybe even more importantly than that, we who call Jesus Lord are willingly and, and deliberately disobeying a direct command. Mm-hmm. And so I just think it's really important. And, and I mean, I don't do a good job of it, but I think it's true that most Christians don't do a good job of it that we just don't, we do not do a good job of sharing our faith. We're not, we don't understand being sent the way Jesus has sent us. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of, okay, well, how do we get back to that? And it's just going to take some, just some real intention and some real commitment. And I think a, a deeper understanding of the gospel to, to help us do that. Yeah. And I think that for those who struggle with this, I think everybody does. I mean, you say most Christians, I think most everybody, even those who are, terrific like i know people who will go out on the street and you know they run into 30 people a day they'll talk to each one they'll have a gospel-centered conversation um and i think all of us have been wired in a specific way in which god can use those gifts for his own glory um and, and for the great commission but we need to just start with prayer like who has god put in our lives um that we can build a relationship with for the purpose of sharing the gospel. So I'm not someone who's going to go door to door in my neighborhood to, to say, Hey, you know, Jesus, but Good, because you'd scare everybody. If you were. <laughs> <laughs> this guy's six foot three, yeah, 240 yeah. pounds with a big beard. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, and, yeah. Well, a Boston Bruins t-shirt. Hey man, you, uh, you know, anyway, um, but getting to meet my neighbors and going, you know, and, hosting parties in my neighborhood um, or, or going to the different parties that people host in the neighborhood for neighborhood block parties and, and becoming a part of that community and being able to shed gospel light on specific issues and building friendships with people there and being explicit, like, Hey, I follow Christ. And can I, you know, at some point, Hey, do you follow Jesus? I mean, and what does that look? And, oh no. Oh, well. And there's usually a story. So it's also becoming more gospel fluent. Okay, whatever their story is, how does that relate to the gospel? Like, how is God the answer to, um, to the problems in their lives? And Jesus is literally the answer to just about any problem in our lives. Says, like last night, I was talking to my son, and this is just a way that I, I parent. 
is he was doing his homework and he had to do like he had like these blocks. I forget what they call them, but blocks. And it says, oh, there's like, oh, they're, they're counters. So there's like four blocks on there. Okay. The homework says create a longer cube train. Oh, that's what it's called. A cube train. Um, then that four. So he had to do that. And then he had to color it. Looked like hot garbage when I looked at it. Like awful. It, and I was like, buddy, you, this is, this is really this is not quality work. Like you just rushed through this so that, you know, whatever. So you could go play with your trucks or whatnot. So we talked about that. And so I made him do it all over again. But I said, I said, bud, why, why do you think it's important for us to do our best work and not just rush through things? He's like, "Uh, you know, I I don't know. I just want to rush through it because I want to get to my trucks. And I said, well, it makes sense. But I asked him, I said, hey, man, how do you think God has created you and has created the world? What did he say when he was in creation? And he said, well, he said it was good. I said, "Okay." so he made creation good and he made you so that you could create something. Now, do you think that he wants you to create something good? Or something bad? Do you think he took shortcuts when he created man or the world or anything like that? Okay, that makes sense. I said, but you're going to have these opportunities to um, to cut corners and not to do things as best as possible. But you showing the world how, how good you can do work and, and the quality that you can do, like to the best of your ability, uh, it shows that what Christ has done through you um, and my son's six, so I don't know what Christ has really done through him yet. You know, he's not, you know, I, you know, whether or not he's saved or not, he's six years old. So that's, you know, that's another conversation for another time. But to your work is a reflection of the maker in which you say that you serve. So, you know, in these areas where you just want to skip steps or or cut corners Look to God as the one in whom you're doing the work for and seek his glory in everything. And when we look at that, that's going to have a huge impact on, on our communities, I think. So, um, but that's probably also another podcast for another time. So. All right. So we've been sent. So let's go. Let's go. All right, man. So, uh, so I'm going to go. And you're going to go, and we're all going to go, whoever's listening to this. Hey, if you are listening to this podcast, I just want to offer you encouragement. Pray for your community. Pray for your coworkers. Pray, 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 pray. That's what God, our Jesus said in, in the end of chapter 9 in Matthew, to pray for the workers, to pray uh, for the mission field. Uh, do that and see what God does in your heart as he prays. Uh, as the spirit works in your prayer life. So um, we appreciate you listening. Hopefully we didn't waste your time. Uh, If so, come back next time. Hopefully it'll be better. And uh, thanks, Justin. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, take care. All right, God bless.